President Tsai Ing-wen on Tuesday headed to Tainan with the premier and others to attend a commemorative event for the victims of the 228 incident. During the ceremony, Tsai described the sacrifices of Tang Dixong, who took actions to protect others in the aftermath of the incident, and confirmed a concert certificate of exoneration on the surviving family members of one other victim. President Tsai Ing-wen offers a wreath of flowers and pays respects at a monument for victims of the 228 incident. This year, the central government is holding its annual 228 commemoration ceremony at the Tainan 228 Memorial Park. Tsai was joined at the ceremony on Tuesday by Premier Chen Jianren, Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun, and others. Tang Dezong in the incident. When the 228 incident occurred, Mr. Tan Dik Tiong acted to protect the people of Tainan by refusing to hand over the settlement committee register and by destroying the list of committee member names. He was charged with unwarranted crimes, and his sacrifice saved Tainan from falling into a more precarious situation. During the ceremony, Tsai also offered a certificate of exoneration upon the family member of one victim, bringing special significance to the ceremony for survivors. <laughs> Tan Dik Tiong sacrificed himself for Tainan, so I think the government's plans to rename Zhongzhen Road to Tan Dik Tiong Boulevard should be hurried along. Renaming that road is a very important issue. To commemorate 228 incident victims and to recognize their contributions to Tainan, the city in September last year established the Tainan 228 Memorial Park. Commenting on the establishment of the park, Tainan Mayor Huang Weizhou said the city is constantly promoting policies for human rights and transitional justice. These were the children of Tainan who went on to become heroes who sacrificed themselves for Taiwan. Implementing transitional justice in our daily lives has become a goal that Tainan strives for. At the conclusion of the 228 memorial event, guests one by one presented flowers and offered prayers, thanking those who came before them for their sacrifices and contributions to the freedoms enjoyed by Taiwanese today. Taipei held its annual 228 incident commemorative event on Tuesday afternoon at the 228 Peace Memorial Park. Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an spoke at the event, offering an apology as city mayor for the atrocities committed 76 years ago. It was a much-anticipated speech. That's because Jiang is the great-grandson of former authoritarian leader Jiang Kai-shek, who launched a brutal massacre that killed thousands of civilians in Taiwan. Let's hear what the mayor said. As the mayor of Taipei, I would like to express my most sincere apology for the crackdown on cigarette sales near the Tianma Tea House in Taipei's Dadaocheng neighborhood 76 years ago, an incident that led to the 228 massacre, the pain of which has transcended history. All people in power should learn an important lesson from the incident. Taiwan eventually left behind authoritarianism and became a democracy. That is the pride of Taiwan. Until the end of my days, I will protect this democracy. And I hope that the citizens of Taipei will continue to spur me to become better and not to forget these lessons from history. Just as Jiang had started his speech, a group of protesters stormed the stage, calling Jiang a murderer and telling him to apologize. Security eventually removed them from the space, but they weren't the only ones staging a protest. At the event venue, several Taipei city councillors held up signs asking the city government to stop glorifying dictators and to remove symbols of authoritarianism. They also called on the city government to release documents from the incident which they say have not been made public in full. News of a potential hike to electricity rates have left some business owners fretting about the future. According to some reports, 
the economics ministry is reportedly set to soon raise electricity rates by almost 30% for big industrial users. Commerce representatives say they hope the rise will not affect small businesses, while an energy expert says the rise should also include residential users. At this restaurant, it's not just the aircon consuming electricity in the dining area. Back in the kitchen, there's the industrial freezer and seven fridges all sucking juice. The owner says that a rise of electricity rates in April would put a lot of pressure on profits. Of course, it would put pressure on us, but if they do raise the rates, there's nothing we can do about it. Perhaps we could open an hour later and have customers leave earlier. We can close sooner to save on electricity. The restaurateur says that already the light bill comes to 30,000 NT every two months. That could go up later this year as the Economic Ministry's Electricity Price Review Committee is set to meet in late March. Some expect the committee will raise rates for users that consume more than 1,000 kilowatt hours. We hope that the Ministry of Economic Affairs can discuss the matter as soon as possible. Everyone in industry and commerce expects that the rates will go up, but we still do hope that prices for everyday people and for small and medium businesses in the food and beverage sector will remain the same. We hope they won't go up for smaller businesses because that would give rise to a wave of inflation. Russia's invasion of Ukraine was one of the factors that caused Thai power to lose 267.5 billion NT last year. Electricity rates are expected to go up by at least 30% in April, but only for some industrial users. One expert says the price should be raised for everyone. Residential electricity use accounts for 20% of consumption, so I think that they shouldn't leave those rates unchanged. Leaving them the same places the entire burden on the service sector. If we do that, then of course the rate hike would have to be bigger than if it applied to everyone. Oil and natural gas prices remain high, and so do the prices of raw materials. With losses continuing to pile up, it's a tough balancing act between the finances of Thai power and those of the general public. Today, we take you to a workshop in Taipei that teaches people how to make Turkish mosaic lamps. The lessons are taught by experienced instructors so that in just around two hours, you can learn how to make a lamp of your own. And it's not just crafting. While there, you can also learn about Turkish culture by trying traditional delicacies. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. As soon as you enter the classroom, you can see all kinds of Turkish lamps. There are camping lamps, candle holders, mosaic lamps, and oil lamps, among others. Symbolizes? Yeah, like the square symbolizes four main directions. The workshop provides different glass tiles and beads in 12 colors. The glass tiles have different shapes, like squares, triangles, and diamonds. And each shape symbolizes something different. Our first shape is the square. Square is, indicates the four main directions, uh, east, west, north, and south. And our second shape is the triangle, which indicates an individual person's uh, past, future, and present. And the diamond, which is contains two triangles, indicates union, two persons union, so union or family union. 
heart. The heart, big yes, heart. Big heart. Okay, which color? Um, red. All red? Red and pink. Participants in the workshop pick their own designs, tiles, and beads. Using these items, they learn how to make traditional Turkish mosaic lamps and learn their history from experienced Turkish and Taiwanese instructors. Uh, 1453, they adopted this art and used in the public areas such as inns or mosques uh, or bazaars and let it spread around uh, the their territory uh, and this has also helped people to understand this art deeply because before that prior that time like it was for only the rich people who has money but when it comes to the Ottoman Empire they take this art and publicized it. Besides making Turkish mosaic lamps, you can also enjoy some Turkish tea and desserts. During each session, the instructors bring out Turkish tea and delicious handmade goods like Turkish rice pudding. There is also Turkish music playing in the background. The reason is to promote uh, Turkish culture, culture uh, via art and create an environment for other people to socialize and learn about Turkish culture. As for the variations of this workshop, in Turkey we have like a different one and but it's not common, it's rarely seen so in our workshop you don't need to cut your own tiles, right? But in that workshop it takes like one to two, two days, maybe three days, and you need to cut your own tiles. And it's a kind of hard and harsh process. So we just change that process and we like provide students for <clears throat> already uh, shaped products, I mean like shaped tiles to do their uh, work. After the 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Turkey and Syria, the store has also launched an initiative to help those affected by the earthquake. They gather donations and distribute them to the Taiwan Turkey Business Council, which then sends the donations to people in Turkey. Taiwan, whether individually or as a government, they helped a lot in Turkey. They send a rescue team. They like send them money and that's what people do in Taiwan and we are very grateful to them. As a store uh, we don't f fundraise, we just some kind of little incentives and also we help the people who can connect to the authorities in Turkey uh, to connect them together. Like for example, some students uh, give some amount of money to just to to send for the Turkey, and or some people bring some clothes, clothing, or other necessities, and we take them and give it to the Turkish business council, the Turkish Taipei Business Council in Taiwan and they help us to send the turkey and give them 
the people who in need. The studio is Taiwan's first shop teaching people how to make Turkish mosaic lamps. There are also branches in Canada, Hong Kong, and the Netherlands. The store hopes that more people can learn about the beauty of Turkish culture through its workshops. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Tai Chen in Taipei. Representative to the U.S. Shelby Kim on February 24th visited Kentucky to witness the passage of a bill to promote stronger trade ties with Taiwan and the establishment of a Kentucky State Representative Office in Taipei. While speaking at the state legislature, Xiao said Taiwan must not be isolated because of its pursuit of democracy and stability, and said that Taiwan and the U.S. must pursue global alliances with like-minded parties. Let's hear from Xiao. The partnership between Taiwan and the United States is based on our shared values and our common interests. Those values are freedom and democracy. Those interests are in peace and stability and in prosperity for our people. The people of Taiwan are committed to defending our democracy against tyranny, against the use of force, against the forceful change of the international rules-based order. And we count on our American friends to also stand with us in defending that democracy. As a member of the Kentucky-Taiwan Caucus, I am proud to welcome Hua Ying, Bi Kim Xiao to our chamber and to the Commonwealth. Both Taiwan and the United States are fortunate to have her in her current role, and I have no doubt that she will accomplish even more in the years ahead. Xiao emphasized the common values of democracy and stability that Taiwan shares with the U.S. and called on the U.S. to continue to stand with Taiwan. With Kentucky's passage of pro-Taiwan resolutions this week, Taiwan is said to have good relations with the U.S. not only at the federal level, but at the state level too. If you're really struggling to find eggs in your local supermarket, why not check out your local blood donation center? A law firm on Tuesday launched a blood drive offering 1.2 kilograms of eggs to donors who gave 500 cubic centimeters of blood. Organizers hope the compensation will encourage more people to donate as nationwide reserves are running low with only 4.5 days worth of blood in stock on average. A law firm has launched a blood drive offering much sought-after freebies for donors. Come here to donate 500 cc of blood and you can get 1.2 kilograms of locally laid eggs. With only 60 boxes available, long lines form quickly. I think it's quite a special event. I saw it and I thought, might as well donate some blood here. What you get usually is vouchers to exchange for steak or coupons. Regular grocery stores don't have eggs anymore, so it's probably attracting a lot of people. The law firm sponsoring the blood drive had ordered the eggs for the event two months ago from a Nanto farmer, simply because of their nutritional value. They weren't expecting that eggs would become such a hot commodity with the shortages, perfect to attract donors. Eggs are precious nowadays. During winter, blood reserves tend to run low because of the weather and because of the Lunar New Year. People might overeat during the holidays, so it takes a while for everyone to get donating again. We hope this event will encourage more people to donate blood. As of February 25th, nationwide blood reserves average four and a half days of blood in stock, far below the ideal stock of seven days. Type O blood is especially scarce, with low stocks in Xinju and extremely low stocks in Taichung. Over in Kaohsiung, all blood types are running low. The price of eggs continues to rise. 
And for chefs and bakers, it's a real dilemma. Today, we meet an executive dessert chef with a radical strategy, cutting out eggs from her cakes. Cao Siping has created a new menu of sweet treats made with no eggs. She uses plant-based alternatives like sweet potato, nuts, and tofu to create fluffiness and depth in her desserts. Customers say the results taste healthy and light, and costs stay down. The chef mixes ingredients in a bowl, but these are not eggs. It's pumpkin paste. She adds cocoa powder and dried fruit, and a thick dough emerges. It's spooned into molds and enters the oven. These little chocolate pound cakes are totally egg-free. The chef was inspired by the egg shortage to create these recipes using vegetables and plant-based proteins as egg replacements. We can replace animal proteins with plant proteins like tofu products or beans and peas. I think they're actually simpler to bake because you don't have to rely on beating the eggs or producing air bubbles. Flowers are piped into cupcakes, but they're not frosting. They are a paste of purple or orange sweet potato. The brownies and tiramisu have a base made of tofu. Customers are curious how these innovative recipes actually taste. It's very pure, not greasy and sweet. The global egg shortage has pushed the price of this baking staple higher and higher in recent months. For this dessert chef, cutting them out is an innovative solution to the crisis. You may not have noticed, but at two of Taipei's MRT stations, there are lights with umbrella symbols on them. The lights became the subject of social media posts and online discussion recently after they were noticed by riders. The MRT company said the lights are being trialed as a way of preventing congestion at station doors where riders often stop to pull out umbrellas. It hopes the lights will encourage people to get their umbrellas ready earlier. The company says it's trialing the lights at two stations currently. The first was installed in October 2018 at the Taipei 101 World Trade Center station, while the second one was installed last August uh, at Ximen Station's busy Exit 6. The company says it will use feedback from the public to determine where to install the signs in the future and whether to advertise the signs to increase awareness. Two years ago, the polyphonic singing of the Amis village Falangao was recognized as a traditional performing art of national significance. The singers of that tradition are gaining more and more attention. Gao Shujuan has transcribed many of the traditional songs into written scores, and they're rich with Amis history and culture. Her group, Chuying Culture and Arts Troupe, creates opportunities for old and young members of the Amis people to come together and connect through music. A tenor leads the song. A chorus of different voices gradually chimes in. This rich and layered song fills the room with spine-tingling echoes. This is a traditional polyphonic folk song of the Amish people. The special singing technique is practiced by the singers of Chuin Culture and Arts Troupe. The polyphonic singing of the Amish village Falangao was recognized as a traditional performing art of national significance in 2021. Meanwhile, Chu'in Culture and Arts Troupe was recognized as a folk treasure. The group was founded by Gao Shujun. Actually, all I did was take our oral musical tradition. Using it, you can write down so much history and culture. 
The rich polyphonic melodies and improvisation techniques, as well as the counterpoint skills of these singers, reflect the historic artistic achievements of the Amis people. The songs also contain lots of historical information. Gao and her husband Guo Zixiong founded Chuyin Culture and Arts Troupe in 1997 to preserve their heritage through music. There are lots of things that, through Chuyin and coming into contact with the older people of the village, that I could study about our precious cultural heritage. Through studying polyphony, the younger members of the group also get to spend time with the elders of the village, creating cross-generational connections and enriching links with the village's history. It's because of their hard work and us carrying on the torch, and it's been noticed. It's not easy work, but Gao is determined to keep her people's traditions alive. Now the musical heritage of Falangao is nationally recognized, her work can reach more audiences and an international stage. Most of all, the singers can enjoy the meaning of music across the generations. Elan's popular tourist destination, Turtle Island, offers visitors a wonderful natural scenery. Every year from December to February, the island closes to visitors, allowing the island's ecosystem to recover. On Tuesday, one day before the island reopens, the agency that manages the island recruited 500 people to carry out a massive beach cleanup. Plastic items of all sizes and colors litter the island's coast, as volunteers walk about with bags in hand, picking up the waste. Turtle Island has a unique ecosystem and visitors must register in advance to go there. Only 1,800 people are permitted to visit the island per day and an average of 120,000 people visit each year. The pandemic saw the number of visitors drop over the past few years, but this year the island is expected to become a popular destination once again.